Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Either you are with us or you are with the terrorists. If you've got health care already, then you can keep your plan if you are satisfied with it. Donald Trump is not going to be president of the United States. Take it to the bank. Together, we will make America great again. We shall never surrender. Never surrender. It's what you've been waiting for all day. Buck Sexton with America Now. Join the conversation. Call Buck toll-free at 844-900-BUCK. That's 844-900-2825. Sharp mind, strong voice. Buck Sexton. Buck Sexton here with you all now, team. Thank you so much for joining. Always a pleasure, an honor, and a privilege to have you with me here in the Freedom Hunt. 844 900 buck 844-900-2825. Quick roadmap for the show. I will get into the Trump rally. I think you might have heard a fair bit about it, uh, but I'll give you both my sense of what was important from it as well as some uh, behind the scenes of being at Fox as the after rally devolved into some tear gas and people were firing rubber bullets or beanbag rounds and Antifa was doing their thing, so we'll talk about that. Uh, Also, there's an interesting, uh, worthwhile update on the Barcelona cell, really the sleeper cell of a dozen people in that multi-pronged terrorist attack in Barcelona, which indeed could have been much worse. But we know now about the mastermind. Here's something that you won't get much of a uh, sense from the media about. The mastermind was an immigrant and, in fact, was supposed to be Deported from the country after being convicted of a crime having nothing to do with terrorism, crime of drug trafficking. But a judge overturned that order in Spain and said, let him stay. And now a lot of people are dead. So the law was this guy should have been kicked out. He was in uh, a criminal immigrant who was supposed to be deported and they decided not to do that. And now we have years later, here we are with a terrorist attack with over a dozen killed and, and scores of people wounded. Um, We'll talk about that and uh, also some breaking news out of uh, the Netherlands. There was a Dutch band that was supposed to be uh, performing. I'm sorry, a U.S. band supposed to be performing at a Dutch venue uh, called Alalaz. And that has been canceled because police found a van filled with gas bottles nearby. So it looks like a rot. Now, the Allah Las uh, is a, it, Allah. It's a play on Allah, like the term for, for God in, in Islam. Uh, so that got them into some, of course, there's some attention there. Uh, but I, I actually wanted to start with, because I know most shows today, most radio shows and everything else are just going to, you're going to talk about what did Trump say? Let's talk about Trump, the media. And we'll do some of that because it's, there's a very worthwhile part of what, well, there's some very worthwhile parts of, dissecting the media reaction to it we'll do that and also it's fun because last night there was a lot of oh my gosh donald trump is like so upsetting oh my gosh a lot of people really really not getting used to the fact that this is trump and when you unleash trump in a rally this is what you're going to get they have not made peace with that at all in fact they still think that if they have enough over-the-top statements, one piled on top of another, like, oh my gosh, like, the country is gonna, like, fall apart. Like, I'm so upset about, like, Donald Trump is, like, he's, his rhetoric, he's, like, so mean. Uh, 
that's that's they're not stopping. They 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 think that that's going to have an impact on opinion across the country. It's like how could you vote for him? He's like a fascist. What's a fascist? Don't ask me these questions. You know, people in California, they don't like Donald Trump for the most part. I know some of you out in California, you know, you're listening to the show, so you might like Donald Trump. But New York, here I am. Nobody likes nobody likes Donald Trump in uh, in Manhattan. I mean, when I say nobody, he's from Manhattan. So, of course, some people like him. But overwhelmingly, these are Democrat strongholds. Uh, But they haven't changed their tune at all all on on any of this. Uh, A lot of whining, a lot of crying over it. Um, And. There's all that. But I the biggest story for me of the last 24 hours is both there, there's an amusing component. You know, it's funny. And I and I want to start with that. But I think there was a, a much bigger lesson. And I have a different take on it than other folks. And so, like I said, we'll get into the Trump rally stuff a little later. I want to I want to switch it up a little bit here because I know everyone's like, oh, Trump, the media, they're crying. And I, yeah. OK, fine. We knew that was going to happen, and there are some policy parts of the Trump speech that are worth getting into. We'll do that, too. But first, you are familiar with the general from the Confederacy from Civil War, Robert E. Lee. Now, he was, or this was the individual who had a statue of him in Charlottesville with that whole uh, fiasco, that tragedy that uh, happened as a result of those, uh, the protest and the counter-protest. Uh, but you're familiar with Robert E. Lee, and you would no doubt at this point be familiar with the ongoing controversy about monuments, Confederate monuments, and other monuments, including Christopher Columbus now and Thomas Jefferson. And this is all happening. And as I've been saying to you, it's a war on the culture. It's not even a war within the culture. It's not a culture war. It's a war on culture, our culture, uh, our shared American culture. Especially when you start talking about like Christopher Columbus. I mean, no one, all anyone knows about Christopher, all they're celebrating is like America. You know, they, this guy discovered America. And we all, yes, it was named for Amerigo Vespucci. Hey, ciao. Uh, but, you know, it, it's still Columbus. And then people say, he didn't even discover it. The Native Americans are here. And then I'm like, actually, the Vikings discovered it. What now? Way before. Was it uh, Leif, Leif Erikson, I think, was the guy's name who discovered America and like the... I don't know now. I'm going back to social studies class in the seventh grade. But yeah, the Vikings, technically, I think they were in maybe Newfoundland area. Point here being, this is all happening, and tensions are high right now. Tensions are reaching a, a peak on this issue that that is unsettling, because you've got people that are in a state of hysteria over this. Before I get there, there's also a hysterical component, so let's start. let's start with that. So, okay, you got this big stuff about Robert E. Lee going on, and there is an announcer at ESPN who is uh, named Robert Lee. I don't even think there's an E in the middle, right? Just Robert Lee. We don't, yeah, yeah, just Robert Lee. So his name is Robert Lee. And they moved him from calling a game, I think it was a UVA sports game, uh, but for ESPN, they moved him off that game because there were concerns that because his name was Robert Lee and there had been this fight over the monument or the, the statue in Charlottesville, that they that there'd be a problem here. What makes this, I mean, pretty pretty darn funny is that this, I mean, and, and crazy at the same time, is that not only is this guy's name just Robert Lee, which 
I mean, come on. It's a pretty common name. And But he is an Asian American. So he is of Asian descent. And they thought they should move him from being an announcer for, for a college sports game. Because some people would say Robert Lee, the Asian sports announcer, Asian American sports announcer in 2017, triggers them, upsets them, because it's the same name as the guy leading the Confederacy in the Civil War. Now, you know, this is hard to believe. It was it's still hard to believe. In fact, when this broke out on uh, Twitter last night was where I first saw this, and most people were concerned with what was going on at the uh, rally in Phoenix, I I was willing to even say at the time, uh, even with corroboration of this story, I have a hard time believing that, any, that anyone is that dumb. E- even with ESPN weighing in and saying that, yeah, we did this, and they have, I should note. And their, their initial public statement was like, we, we're sorry that some people have turned this into an issue. And it's like, well, you guys are the ones that made this decision. So let's not pretend that this is manufactured by others who are just trying to cause problems for you. But they pulled him off. The, and then they said, well, we're worried that people would make fun of him or there would be memes. And so they kept they kept going with more, more justifications of this decision, which is just absolute madness. As I was saying, if you haven't seen PCU, the 1994 film about political correctness on campus, and it's a fun movie to watch. And by the way, I think it's, I don't think you could get away with making that movie today. I I think that people would object to that movie today because of the political correctness that's even stronger right now. But so they pull Robert Lee, the Asian American announcer, off the game and Everyone is mocking us as they should. I mean, I I was just and the stuff that's on social media now, and you know, you're, all the memes and the stuff people are saying about this is is pretty uh, pretty amusing, pretty entertaining. I mean, I, I don't know what this guy's lawsuit looks like against ESPN, but I'm assuming it's pretty substantial. And uh, folks like me were pointing out that you know this is really wrong because only elite college admissions offices are allowed to discriminate against Asian Americans to placate social justice warriors. Oh, but it's true, by the way. That that does happen. But there's a bigger point here that I haven't seen many other people. I haven't seen anyone else make it. I mean, I'm sure some people do. A lot of people out there sharing opinions in the world. But this is really important. I think this is really important. In the context of the current climate, and now just, just, just hear me out, everybody, because I, I agree this Robert Lee thing is, it, it, it is hilarious. But it also is a warning, because in the context of the current climate in America right now, it is not irrational to act on the basis of being judged irrationally. What I mean by this is that the expectation now created by the social justice warriors, created by the progressive left, and amplified and enforced by the media is that there is no such thing as parody of their ideas anymore. Incoherence doesn't matter. You are at risk if you even have any possibility of running afoul of their sensitivities. So the hypersensitivity that exists now all around us, and that is informing corporate culture, campus culture, certainly it is dominant within the media. 
has become so strong that acting like a complete and utter imbecile under any rational standard isn't actually that crazy because there's crazy standards out there. You see what I'm saying? They're, they have changed this now such that y- you have to be so careful. I mean, people who are making fun of the whole Robert Lee thing, as they should. And look, I I was f- like laughing, guffawing, sitting in Fox, reading all the stuff. I was at Fox last night as they were doing some live coverage of the protest. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, this is, I mean, I couldn't. I'm sending text messages to my friends and we're sending each other back like all kinds of emojis and stuff. I know I'm a 35-year-old guy. Maybe I shouldn't use emojis. But you know what? Sue me. Uh, and we're just having a great time with it. And this is all happening, and I'm thinking, okay, well, th- this is hilarious, but also we live in a country now where you can have college-age students screaming at a university professor on video because one of the university professors said that, you know, five-year-old kids should be able to dress up as Pocahontas for Halloween without everyone freaking out. That is, and the university stands behind the students. You have a col- you have colleges now where they will decide that it's not enough to have a day of uh, of minority absence from the campus. There should be a day without white students on the campus. So I mean, for what I can't even remember what the rationalization was, whatever. And initially, the administration goes along with it. We live in crazy times, and so when there are manifestations of crazy, like what we saw here, which, and again, I, I, I mean, I, it's, it's very funny. I should also note that there are a lot of jokes that one would, would probably want to start making, but, you know, it, it, you, you run a very high risk of censure. You make any jokes involving uh, Asian culture, Asian Americans— there is a, like a zero humor tolerance for those. So it was also interesting to see how people were stepping. Yeah, they're all making fun of CNN. I'm mean, sorry. <laughs> no, ESPN. But I mean, it's really the same thing these days. You know, ESPN is CNN with sports or MSNBC with sports. But, you know, people have to be very careful about this because even if they're trying to make fun of ESPN, if they accidentally stray too far into a joke about the last name Lee, which, yes, a name for a name that, you know, occurs in the context of Civil War generals, but also is a common name in Asia. You know, you just you see you you run afoul of these of these uh, sanctimonious, hyper pious liberals and they'll come after you. So you had to be careful with some of the humor. But think about it in, in these terms. And I know we're going to have to run a break. I can, lines are lit here in the Freedom Hut already, and so I will get to some calls. But ESPN making that decision is a symptom of the disease. And the disease is that if you are not twisted backwards and crazy in your efforts to be hypersensitive to any perceived slights that the progressives have uh, have conjured up, whether real or imagined. If you are not hypersensitive, you're at risk. So any of us can fall afoul of these liberal pieties. And so you get an overreaction to that. And I think that that shows us just how bad things have become. Political correctness is so powerful right now that people are acting like idiots And if they don't act like idiots in some cases, they'll actually get in trouble. 
Hey, Buck Sexton back with you now. We're talking about Donald Trump's rally last night and, and also I, I actually really leading off tonight, but we can talk about that, too, with ESPN pulling Robert Lee, an Asian-American announcer uh, from a game in Virginia because, you know, Robert Lee, like Robert E. Lee, the Confederate general. It's just you can't make you can't make it up. If I were writing a parody and I submitted that as part of my parody story for like a screenplay, people would say, nah, come on, man. Come come on, buddy. No way. Uh, this is what ESPN in the ESPN executive uh, reported by New York magazine. Uh, this is what an ESPN executive wrote when this whole thing, because this is now, this has just gone completely viral. The whole country's talking about it. As I said, I, I do think there's a really, there's a big issue here, which I will be getting into more as well in a few moments. Um, and, and that is the climate right now. It, in, a nor, in normal times or in different times, this would be just pure mockery. There's mockery, but there's also a, there's also a warning here. And the warning is... No one really knows what the lines are anymore because progressives, first of all, will, will eat their own. I mean, they will go after their own people on this stuff. The lines are always shifting. So it's very hard to know what's acceptable and what's not because they change it day in and day. They change the terminology. You know, they, they change the pronoun. You know, now it's not even they. It's Z, X, E. I'm like, wait, what? How could you say Z? It's actually, you know, this happens all the time. Even the way you look, you look at the left, the way you refer to uh, illegal immigrants is is in flux, different terms, different times. The way you refer to different minority groups changes over time. And, and you know, what was OK at one time is not OK in another. And what's OK in our time is not. I mean, it's changing, right? They're always changing. So the, the rules of the game, the ground shifts under your feet. Here's what ESPN, though, about this Robert Lee situation, which is amazing. OK, the guy's name is Robert Lee. They're worried that people are going to be upset because of Robert E. Lee, the general that fought the, you know, fought for the Confederacy. I, I don't even know how could anybody, but they did. Here's their explanation. I, I want to be fair to ESPN and give them a chance to explain themselves. Here's what they said. Uh, this wasn't about offending anyone. It was about the reasonable possibility that because of his name, he would be subjected to memes and jokes and who knows what else. Think about it. Robert Lee comes to do a game in Charlottesville. The reaction to our switching a young, anonymous play-by-play guy for a streamed ACC game is off the charts. Reasonable proof that the meme joke possibility was real. So when the protests in Charlottesville were happening, we raised with him the notion of switching games, something we do all the time. We didn't make him switch. We asked. Eventually, we mutually agreed to switch. No biggie until someone leaked it to embarrass us and him. Uh, no politically correct efforts, no race issues, just trying to be supportive of a young guy who felt the best to avoid the potential zoo. Now, sorry, sorry, because memes are internet-based. So unless you're going to not let this guy call games anywhere, the Robert Lee thing still stands. So I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't buy this after-the-fact rationalization at all. They were scared they were going to run afoul of the social justice warriors, and ESPN is now run by social justice warriors. He's back with you now, because when it comes to the fight for truth, the buck never stops. Lines are lit here in the Freedom Hut. Buck Sexton with you now. Thank you very much for hanging out. All right, let's go. Um, Ron in Alaska, K-E-N-I. What's up, Ron? Hey, Buck. I called you before. Uh... 
I'm 80 miles out in the wilderness on the river, no, 80 miles from town. Oh wow! We get the buck up here. It's a salmon. It's a salmon. Salmon run up there now, right? Yeah, it's over. I got. Oh, it's over. I was I was up there once, uh, Kenai area, uh, doing a little fly fishing. Salmon was fan. It was amazing, and also you know going to hang out with some grizzly bears as one does. Yeah, well, on my property, my forty-five acres, anybody wants to intimidate me, they got to get past the bears first. (laughs) Yeah, you got you got bears as guard dogs. That's an interesting way to go. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to tell you, uh, we love you up here, Buck, and you're the big dog. Thank you, up sir. Alaska. I'll take it. I love a, I love Alaska. It's dog. really. I always tell people the two most beautiful places the United States have ever been are Hawaii and Alaska. Actually, well, just remember when I when I call in and say I want to talk to the big dog, you know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> woof, woof, my friend. All right. So, what else is on your mind? Uh, I wanted to tell you, do you know who Dick Morris is? Yeah, the former, like, Clinton guy, then was a conservative guy, was on Fox a lot, yeah, and then not right, anymore. Right, yeah, right. Well, you know, he wrote Armor, uh, Armageddon, and he's got a new book out. I don't know if you read it. It's called Rogue Spooks. But it answers every single piece of the puzzle that you're trying to put together about what's happening up in Washington, D.C. And for your listeners, they if they don't have that book, go to the library, borrow it, buy it, whatever, but it's got everything in there. I listened to him on George Norrie here about a week ago, and I knew 99% of the stuff that's going on, but he filled in the rest of the pieces, and it's clear as a bell. Okay. You know, so they should do that. I'm just telling you. Do you, you want to just give us like a one or two sentence summary of what you what, what we need to know or what you learned from this thing? Well, yeah, what's, what's happening up there, the infiltration of the left into the CIA and the FBI and uh, and uh, who's uh, behind what uh, that's going on. And now I want to say something. The president mentioned the other day that we aren't going to do like his predecessor and, and be talking about what we're doing here in this war. And as soon as he says that, the national news and the local news up here in Alaska, they're, they're, they're sitting here telling what division's heading out, and they're heading out early. They were supposed to go then, and now they're going now. And, and how many troops they got? And well, What's going on in this country? I mean, you know, uh, troop movement and stuff like that never used to be allowed to be discussed. But now it's like, oh, well, the Yeah, the media wants a lot of specifics, and they, they, they want it large, in large part so they can try to pick it apart, yeah, I think, and undermine and, the strategy. And, uh, one of the ladies on... One of the ladies on the news was talking about the destroyer that, that got hit, and she says, and the soldiers on board the ship uh, were, were, were probably killed. Well, wait a minute. Isn't a ship a Navy ship? It's not Army soldiers. You know, well, she, I mean, may have, she may have just not, you know, people, they use the wrong terminology. It's like when people go on TV and talk about, you know, automatic weapons when they mean a semi-automatic uh, rifle, but reporters can get away with that. Ron, we got to roll to our next caller, man, but Shields High, thanks for calling in from Alaska. Appreciate it. Stay away from the Bears. Uh, we have Richard, West Virginia, WWVA. Hey, Richard. Hey, yeah, like you said, uh, Hawaii and Alaska are your two favorite states. I didn't say my two favorite states. I said two of the most beautiful places I've been in the country. Oh, uh, two of the most beautiful. I don't think I'd put West Virginia in there, but when you come into the state, what to say when you come in? Wild and wonderful West Virginia. But yeah. I don't think it's anything like Alaska. We don't have any bears here. We don't have any salmon fishing. Must have something that's called wild, wonderful West Virginia. I hear good things. So, so what's on your mind, Richard? As far as uh, what you've been talking about, I'm really surprised that uh, after you played what, what ESPN said why they did it, 
that you wouldn't just drop the subject right there and say uh, that's it because they gave the reason why they did it because I think it has something to do with the Confederacy that uh, uh, Robert Lee would be it would be dangerous maybe to him but I think that's what ESPN said yeah no but I'm, what I'm telling you is I don't buy their I don't buy their excuse here. I think they were worried about, yeah, I mean, at some level, sure, they could say that they were worried about his safety or his reputation or something, but that's that's nonsense. That's that's crazy. This is going to be an ongoing problem wherever he is. If they're trying to protect, you can't protect someone from internet memes, and that was something they cited in, in their response here. And I should also know that this is just what was reported from an executive on the inside. I don't even know if this was their official statement or not. Uh, but it's it's a crazy way to think about this. I mean, what does it say? What does ESPN think about the people of Virginia that because an Asian American announcer's name is Robert Lee, there may be a problem at a game? I mean, that's that's not a that's not a reasonable position, Richard. That's just not reasonable. Okay, if that's not it, there could be one other just one other thing because it is August, and I hear that this is a slow time of the year for news for. Uh, radio shows, so maybe they're working in conjunction with people like you. And I don't know There you go. Illuminati conspiracies next to the Buck Sexy Show. I, I wish I had that kind of that kind of wasta, my friend, but I appreciate you calling in, Richard, from West Virginia. Thank you very much. I think I think Richard was being terse with me at the end there. I think he was being terse. I, I don't think that he liked my explanation. Okay, Richard. I'll, hey, look. You know, not everyone not everyone who calls wants to give me a high five or a hug. I understand. That's all right, you know. I'm going to go cry in the corner now. My giant pillow with my giant head. Uh, it's making me a little sad in the Freedom Hut. I was all happy today. I was all happy to talk to everybody. Now I'm a little sad on the inside. What I, did, I should do is I should just come in here and just be like screaming about how, you know, the Republicans have betrayed the country and just, just, just go angry, Buck. Just yell and be angry because people... In some parts, the country seem to like that on radio. I don't know. I don't. I don't like it. But so, occasionally, I get an email from someone saying, uh, "You know, you're you're too you're vo- you're too mellow or something." I'm like, if people are going to hang out with me and spend real time in the show, one, I, I hope they're coming for for the uh, the content and not the, the the literal decibel level. You know, because I because I can do it too. You know, the Republicans have sold us out. Don't you understand? The Republicans are the pro, the, the Republican Party and and the media and you know I can I could do that every I could actually create a whole like radio character that I could do here on the show. That's your typical conservative radio. It's just like they're all just they're all just lying to you. Don't you get? They're just lying to you. Um, now I'm sort of a better one would be actually I mean the Illuminati and the Bilderbergs. I mean Buck Sexton, that guy's part of a conspiracy. He is part of it. He he is he is the government. Google it, people. Google it. I mean I I could name names. I I I, I could name names. Buck Sexton. I just named a name. Buck Sexton. There he is. I named it. I'm on to it. Alex Jones over and out. All right. Uh Robert in Mississippi, WBUV, what's going on? Hey, not much. Uh of course, I'm, I guess I'm guilty of sharing a meme this afternoon on Mr. Lee, so I need to be spanked. That's I'm fine. What do you mean? I mean, assuming it's you know in reasonably good taste, but yeah, that's fine. Memes oh, are good. Just, uh, they just photoshopped his head onto a Confederate uniform. I've, I mean, I've seen a lot. Of, I've seen a lot of those on the internet. But that's not why I called. Let's go to Europe and the uh, canceled concert. Okay. Allah lost. They're out of L.A. 
fantastic band. I don't know what sort of music you're into, but if you like guitars or maybe a 65, you need to check them out. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I've never heard of them before, but I'll, I'd check them yeah, out. I'm always looking uh, for new bands. But So their name is not... Has has nothing to do with other. They're not trying to be. It's not like they're you know they're going over there and the and the the band is called like the angry you know the uh, the angry Muhammad cartoon or something right. I mean this has nothing to do with anything. I really have no idea where they got the band's name from. Uh, you're affiliated with iHeart, right? Yes, I work for iHeart. Um, I don't know if you ever heard of this band called Chicano Batman, but um. Uh, I created an iHeart radio station for Chicano Batman, and the algorithm said I would like Allah Loss, and it was right. Huh. All right. I'll, I'll check out. Uh, I'll check out the Allah Laws. But yeah, in the meantime, there was a uh, looks like a bomb or a possible bomb found near the uh, near the concert venue. So we will have to uh, see what that was all about. But uh, anything else, Robert? Are we good? Oh, we're good. Just uh, when you heard, said it, it's just like, man, Buck needs to check them out. All right, we'll yeah. do, man. Chill tight, Robert. Thank you for the call. Uh, Andy in Georgia. So usually a podcast listener. Love my podcast family. What's up, Andy? Hey, Buck. Great to, great to talk to you. Yeah, I'm, I'm usually a podcast listener, so I'm usually a couple of days behind. And, in fact, just a few minutes ago, I finished listening to your show from Friday. So, But... <clears throat> You had at the time asked for uh, some recommendations on good Civil War books. Everyone has been telling me Shelby Shelby Foot. I've gotten like a hundred emails about Shelby Foot. Okay, Shelby Foot definitely. It's a you know a Civil War in three parts. I haven't actually read it, but I do believe it was a large part of the of the material that Ken Burns used when he did the Civil War uh, documentary. Uh, and Shelby Foote, of course, is is in that in, uh, uh, quite a bit himself. So, um, but that is on my list of Civil War books to read. Another one is uh, James McPherson's uh, Battle Cry of Freedom, which is part of the Oxford Library of American History. Okay. Um, and it actually covers the period leading, uh, starting, I think, with uh, the Mexican War, uh, and the um, time period leading up to the Civil War, all the causes and all the stuff, that, uh, all the shenanigans that the South was up to to try to expand slavery and so forth and so on. I learned reading that that uh, the South actually sponsored a coup d'etat that failed in Guatemala, in Guatemala. So in order to create a slave colony, uh, Interesting stuff, but anyway. Inter- so, yeah, well, you know, there, there were, there were I, I think I did, I did a whole history on the show, Andy, about the uh, the filibuster and the the origins of the filibuster as a term. When now we think of it as a way of, and, and Andy Shieldtie, thank you for calling. We think of the filibuster as a term for stopping somebody from doing business on the floor of the Senate, but it uh, comes from the Spanish filibustero or French filibustier, which is uh, a buccaneer or a pirate. Uh, and that was so filibuster was another term for a pirate or a buccaneer. And it specifically then it was applied to some of these uh, foreign policy missions undertaken by citizens of the United States in other places to try and uh, foment revolutions. So I don't know if he was referring to what would technically be called a filibuster, but that was something that uh, that that did happen. So there is that. I got that going for me, which is nice. 
844-900-BUCK-TEAM, if you want to talk about any of this stuff. I've got some more thoughts on, uh, well, I was going to tell you about the the big thing, big picture on the Robert Lee fiasco, but I'm going to transition a little bit into why do people like to protest Nazis where there are no Nazis? Because that's a thing that happened. I'll tell you where and how in a minute. He has given oxygen to racists. Mm -hmm. He hasn't really said anything, denounced the alt-right. He talked about the KKK and whatever. He hasn't really um, done that. He is clearly trying to ignite a civil war in this country. Mm -hmm. He has not tamped down race. And I'm just going to say, I mean, if if he was on my team in this newsroom and said those things he would be escorted out of the building by security. He's trying to ignite a civil war. That's a multi-million dollar uh, paid CNN anchor there, by the way. That's Don Lemon saying the president of the United States. And you'll notice he didn't say he's trying to ignite a civil war in terms of politics. He didn't he didn't give any clarification. He didn't add some other. No, 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 no. Civil war. You know, the Civil War where hundreds of thousands of U.S. soldiers died on the battlefield. You know, that whole thing. Yeah, Trump's trying to ignite a civil war. This is this passes for commentary. I mean, we, you know, Don Lemon, I don't know if he's considered a, an opinion pundit or a, an anchor at CNN. I mean, he's clearly just a guy who says everything that the left wants someone to say. Uh, but nonetheless, and I've done the show many times. I, I know Don. He was... He was reasonably nice. He was, no, not really, actually. No, not really. Actually, pretty disrespectful, to be honest with you. So uh, there are there are a couple of anchors over at CNN that I would say, despite all the political everything going on, were always fair and always respectful to me. I, I cannot put Don Lemon in that category. Um, and the problem is I'm, I come from a, a place of, of politeness uh, just by nature. And so I, I'm not always as... I should have been a little more um, prickly sometimes in dealing with some of these individuals, I think, than I, than I was. But nonetheless, uh, but this is a CNN anchor saying that there's a civil that, that you've got the president trying to ignite a civil war, which is over the top, exaggerated, crazy nonsense. No matter who you are, what you think about what's going on in the country. That's not true. Trump's not trying to ignite a civil war. That is beyond. That's the you see Robert Lee having to be removed from a game because he sounds like Robert Lee, the general. That's just crazy. No matter who you are. Uh, An anchor saying the president of the United States is trying to set up a trying to ignite a civil war in this country. That's just crazy. That that's not really in the bounds of of a discussion that we should have to have. But here we are. And and I, I note that. And this is a very good piece that I read by uh, James Kirchick, whom we've had on the show before, who is not a pro-Trump guy at all. And on Trump's policies vis-a-vis NATO and Europe, he actually, I think, came on the show and kind of kind of was rough on Trump. But um, you can go back and listen to that episode if you want. But he wrote a piece. And here's here's let me give, let me give you some of this. This is on Tablet Mag, which I'm not familiar with. Uh, The panic in Boston. This is about the Boston protests over the weekend. I think it's still relevant to our discussion now because some of my initial feelings about this are being confirmed, which is that you had all these people gathered together to oppose fascism. Well, and there was no fascist. There were no fascists there. 
His piece, the title is The Panic in Boston, and his subheading is Nazis are bad, so's hysteria. And he goes into the details here. We had someone also from the Weekly Standard who was a little, uh, you know, not 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 entirely committed or committal. Uh, he was somewhat non-committal about whether there were alt-right connections to this. Kerchick is like, look, these are a bunch of college kids that wanted to have a free speech rally, and they set this up way in advance of Charlottesville. This was not supposed to be a post-Charlottesville provocation. These are not neo-Nazis. These are not, you know, alt-right extremists. They have nothing to do with swastikas or uh, yelling Sig Heil or any of that stuff. Not at, not at all. But you had tens of thousands of Bostonians, 30 or 40,000, based on the count that I saw, coming out to denounce fascism and denounce Nazis. Well, okay. I mean, you know, I could walk out my front door and uh, and I could denounce Islamic extremism like really loudly. But if there are no terrorists around and no one's really paying attention to me, like, what am I doing? Like, what's the point? And in this case, it just goes to show that there is a hysteria and it's really now a, a kind of panic that there's an effort from the White House on down to turn this country into a fascist state and that there are Nazis lurking in government and next door. And that's just not true. Yeah, there are Nazis in this country. I think there's like a couple hundred of them. No one takes them seriously. No one likes them. Everybody repudiates them. Everybody reviles them. But the media is acting like this is a major political movement. That's actually dangerous what they're doing. He's holding the line for America. Buck Sexton is back. He's unhinged. It's embarrassing. This is who we elected president of the United States. A man who is so petty that he has to go after people who he deems to be his enemy, like an imaginary friend of a six-year-old. His speech was without thought. It was without reason. It was devoid of facts. It was devoid of wisdom. There was no gravitas. There was no sanity there. He was like a child blaming a sibling. A man clearly wounded by the rational people who are abandoning him in droves. This is the person we elected as a president of the United States? This petty? This small? That's CNN anchor Don Lemon. Buck Sexton here with you now. Uh, I want to draw some connections here. I, I would like to point out that there's something happening right now in the country that you cannot think of as just separate phenomena, separate incidents, they are related. You Major news anchors with large followings and uh, equally large paychecks, uh, whether the following is that large compared to Fox or not, is, of course, another discussion for another time. But, you know, CNN's got people watching. Uh, but you've got these major, major figures in the media who are saying stuff that w- would be completely unacceptable at any other president, and they're doing it regularly. And they're hysterical. I mean, they they are tearing up. I mean, they are, as the uh, social justice warriors like to write, literally shaking RN for literally shaking right now. I mean, that's that's what's being put out there. That has an effect on the rest of the country. Uh, I think that these are these are mutually reinforcing hysterias. Back to this piece for, by, that Kerchick wrote about Boston, which I think I think we all skipped over Boston a little too quickly. 
uh, for, well, because there were other big, there were, to be fair, other big news stories. But we skipped over what really happened in Boston because it was set up as, you know, alt-right group drowned out by anti-fascist protesters. No, it was a huge gathering of people protesting fascism that doesn't exist and wasn't even there. I mean, people say, oh, Buck, it exists. Okay, I mean, you know, is the Westboro Baptist Church reflective of Christianity? Of course not, right? They're a bunch of psychopaths, but they exist. There's a few of them here and there. You know, they, they like to protest the funerals of fallen service members because they're a disgrace to humanity. But are they representative of something more? You know, I, I'm a Catholic, so the Westboro Baptists, you know, they're part of a church. I'm part of a church. We're the same. Of course not. That's a crazy... That's a crazy uh, theory to put out there or, or, or a crazy conclusion to come to. But you have tens of thousands of people protesting fascism. You got you got a news anchor, a whole bunch of them. And I could have, you know, it's Stephanopoulos, you get all the different anchors. I mean, I just don't want to spend the, the entirety of my day pulling clips of all these different whiners out there. But, you know, oh, my gosh, look what Trump did. It's so terrible. Oh, my gosh. What are we going to do? It's so bad. Trump is so bad. Then you have... Boston and the reaction from tens of thousands of people. And I think that uh, Mr. Kirkchick's words here are well taken. Quote, as a reaction to the recent expression of racist and anti-Semitic hatred at Charlottesville, last weekend's demonstration in Boston was admirable. Some 40,000 people gathered to express their opposition to racial and religious bigotry and welcome rebuke to a president who has difficulty calling out these maladies by name. Like I said, this guy's this guy's anti-Trump, just to, to be clear on this, but. Continuing with the quote here, yet by directing part of their outrage at an unrelated free speech event held on the Boston Common, many of the protesters exemplified the creeping moral hysteria engulfing the American left. Now, I think it's even more than this writer is saying. It's not a creep. It is a galloping. It is a enveloping. It is a massive moral hysteria that is overtaking the left right now. They, you know, they're, oh, my gosh, the Nazis are everywhere. No, no one likes Nazis. No, nothing has changed. There's still no pro-Nazi party in this country. There's still no pro-Nazi uh, media entities out there. there this doesn't, and, and, you know, this is now where they play the game of, oh, but there's one or two, you know, here or there. Okay, come on. We're speaking about what matters. There are also people who, you know, I, I, I met a guy once, true story, who thought he was a member of an alien race. I, 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 this is a true story. Very nice guy, by the way. But he's like, I'm a member of an alien race. And it's, you know, and I, you're, and I was like, okay. Well, uh, this is an interesting conversation. And he was dead serious. Now, when I say that no one actually thinks that they're a space alien that has taken a human body on, on Earth, like, I, I think I can say that without people, without the fact checkers jumping jumping down my throat. But, you know, technically there was one guy that I met one time. And that's kind of the reality of, of Nazis and fascism in America right now. Well, actually, fascism is a little more complicated because fascism comes from the left. And I do think I think there is a the, the rise of fascism in this country is coming as counter fascism. That's what we see happening. That's why Antifa takes the name that it does. We've seen this game played before. Who are liberals in this country? They're actually statists. They are anti-liberty. The people in this country that we are forced to call liberals just by, you know, common usage in our language are in fact the anti-liberals. And that is not an accident. 
the people who are anti-fascists are in fact fascists. They oppose speech and want to use not just their own fists, but the power of the state and state-like entities to shut down ideas they do not like. They believe in the collective, silencing the individual. They are the ones who are much closer to fascism with their beliefs. And when you look at their tactics, all dressed in black, street brawls, pummeling people, swarming people, who are the fascists? I don't even need to answer my own question, do I? We're all quite aware of what's going on here. But this... Moral hysteria is becoming a very real problem. Media is not just complicit, but the media is driving this, and it is infecting the minds of people across the country. The stories about Russia and Russia collusion were a part of this. Now the stories about Trump, the the tremendous racist who loves the alt-right and is, is a a figure of neo-Nazi admiration, all this. This is all part of it. There is a moral hysteria now because they view Trump as they just being anyone who is disgusted by this, who is of the left, uh, the never Trumpers on the right. It's a, it's a different story and that's a different conversation. Anyone who's disgusted by Trump on the left views the rise of this current political movement, this figure who is willing to throw out the taboos of the past, is willing to uh, stand up and take the heat, all the heat that the media can dish out. And they've thrown everything at him. And still push back and say, you know what, what you do is dishonest. There, there is so much power, that there's so much relief. And this is what Don Lemon and the, the other... You know, overpaid anchors of the of the TV world and everything else. This is what they don't understand is that for people who support Donald Trump, it's not that they're not aware of the fact that he can be a little vulgar, very vulgar, that he is coarse, that he's not a policy wonk. They're aware of that. It's that they don't care. And the reason they don't care is that they have been just completely inundated, submerged in a swamp, shall we say, of lies, of mistruths, of half-truths, of propaganda disguised as fact for so many years now that there is a, there is a reservoir of anti-media, anti-leftist resentment that is just incalculably, uh, incalculably large. It is, it is enormous right now. And whenever Donald Trump, this is what the rally was about last night. Whenever he taps into that, even apart from the agenda, there is an exhalation of of relief and a sense of some justice being done by so many millions of Americans, tens of millions of Americans across the country who have been forced to see the uh, progressive agenda rammed into their lives, jammed down their throats, forced upon them by government, forced upon them by media, forced upon them by the Democratic Party. That if nothing else even happens, that I think that this is unfortunate because I believe the Trump agenda in many ways, much of it on a policy level would do really good things for the American people. But I know there are also a lot of folks out there, and I understand this feeling, they just they just want somebody who is going to punch back. They're sick of 
everyone just playing by the rules that are defined by the other side. And as long as Trump is willing to punch back, they're willing to back him. That's it. It's, it is that simple. And this is how the rally last night, you've got people that are crying, and oh my gosh, and you got the Antifa outside, and this is how they miss why folks like to see Trump do what he did. They have no understanding of it whatsoever because they don't even realize that they live their lives in echo chambers. They live their lives with a constant reinforcement of their own political biases. They live their lives being told how smart they are, how righteous they are, how virtuous they are by the media, by the culture. And it's it's increasing. I mean, this is another big part of what's been happening. You know, it, it was a few years ago if you were not. Uh, you know, it, it was a few years ago. Just if be for civil unions, and you're a, a reasonable, you know, you're a reasonable Republican. Be for civil unions, and you're a reasonable Republican. Now, it's you better think that there should be transgender camps for kids, or else you're a bigot. And that's happened in the span of like five or six years. And people feel this; they see this; they're aware of it. And the law is reflecting it, too. The progressivization of America, I know I'm making up a word, but let's just go with it, has been accelerating. And as it accelerates, the media is cheering it all on along for the ride. And finally, Trump is standing there and he's saying, you know what? At least I'm going to say that something's going on here. It's fishy and you guys are lying. And everyone goes, "Okay, well, finally, finally. I can can have a moment where I don't feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Finally, all of a sudden, I can look and see and be surrounded by, whether it's in person or on TV at these rallies, with other people who understand that, that things are happening right now that are not supposed to be happening. And the country as we have known it is changing, is being forced into a period of change that is not constructive, that is not based in principle. It is based in the raw exercise of power by a collection of different leftist ideologies all under the banner of the Democratic Party, which is now a progressive party. And they are seeking complete and abject, not just political, but cultural and ideological surrender from the other side. And nothing else will do. This isn't about agenda. This is about your day-to-day life. This is about what you can say, what you can eat, where you can live, everything. The statists view it all as up for debate, discussion, and eventually dictation, right? So there's no part of it. There's no part of your life that's beyond their meddling. And once they win, once that's the debate discussion part. And once they win, then they make you do it. People are sick of it. They don't want to live in a country like that. Um, all right. I, I, I don't even, I was talking about the, uh, I said, I'd get to the rally. We will get to the rallies and we'll get to your calls. I've gone uh, a bit longer on this than I had intended to. Things get, things get a little fiery in the hut. Uh, eight, four, four, 900 buck, uh, much more coming on. I don't know if I'm enough time for the, a buck brief on Barcelona today, actually. So we'll see. I might have to hold that till tomorrow. Uh, but much more coming on this. And we've got uh, guests also lined up. Give you a little preview of that. Sean Davis from The Federalist will be joining. We have an expert on the uh, naval um, uh, accidents that have been occurring. Uh, so he'll tell us what's going on there. And also Emily Zanotti with a rundown of some fun stories. 
Huskies holding the line for America. Buck Sexton is back. But the very dishonest media, those people right up there with all the cameras. Honestly, these are really, really dishonest people. And they're bad people. And I really think they don't like our country. I really believe that. And I don't believe they're going to change, and that's why I do this. If they would change, I would never say it. The only people giving a platform to these hate groups is the media itself and the fake news. There you go. Trump was lighting them up last night during that rally, really going after the uh, the media. So uh, there you have it. Um, he talked about... Uh, a whole bunch of issues, and I don't know how much of them I'll be able to get through uh, right now. Um, he all, he did speak about the stat. So so the media, we understand he's going after them, uh, but he he went after the statues uh, debate for a little bit. Here's what he had to say about that. So. From George Washington, please don't take his statue down, please. Please. Does anybody want George Washington's statue? No. Is that sad? Is that whole sad? To Lincoln, to Teddy Roosevelt, I see they want to take Teddy Roosevelt's down to. They're trying to figure out why. They don't know. They're trying to take away our culture. They're trying to take away our history. And our weak leaders, they do it overnight. These things have been there for 150 years, for 100 years. You go back to a university and it's gone. Weak, weak people. They are pulling these things down in the middle of the night in some places. I know in Baltimore they got rid of, they brought, I talked talk to you about it here on the show. They decided to get rid of a statue. And so the mayor and the police department in the middle of the night brought in contractors. Boom, gone. Uh, this is going to be happening more and more. These these uh, monuments, the, the, the debate of the protests over monuments, this is just now a way uh, this is a construct this is a way to give the left uh, new unity and purpose in their resistance to the trump administration and to the republican party uh, but it is just the latest iteration of what has already been there in the past it has been transforming in recent years from occupy wall street to and by the way in the bush years it was uh, the anti-iraq war sort of anti-imperialism movement of Code Pink and all of them. That that was the vanguard of the of the American left. And then it turned into Occupy Wall Street because you couldn't have the Obama administration be the enemy of the left. So enemy of the left. So what was it? It was Wall Street. Oh, that was convenient. Even the Wall Street gave a ton of money to Obama. Uh, but it, Wall Street was the enemy and the capitalist system. And, you know, there but there were still, as I've told you, anti-cop protests. And I mean, Occupy Wall Street was about a lot more than Wall Street. It's about racism and oppression and cops and all all that stuff that you've seen. Now. It's just they were all under the umbrella of OWS. And then it was Black Lives Matter and it was about police hunting young black men and you know, police uh, killings of individuals w- without justification. And now it's anti-fascism. But th- th- this is the th- you can draw a line through all of them. This is the same basic leftist, socialist, communist impulse. These revolutionaries, they don't want a revolutionary 
uh, or they're not revolutionaries in the sense that they're trying to restore America to its, uh, I don't know, to, to a, a greater place or to great. No, no, they want a whole different country. They want to bring this down into something else. You could even say to fundamentally transform the United States of America. Uh, Bail in Mississippi. Welcome to the show, sir. What's up? Yes, sir. I just wanted to give you a call and let you know that I enjoy Trump's speeches. When Trump has rallies, I actually sit through and watch his rallies, and I find the man has a lot to say, and he comes through loud and clear to me. I just find when I was watching Barack Obama on the TV, he stuttered through so many different lies, it just I couldn't understand what he was even talking about. At least I can understand what Trump has to say, and he's saying it loud and clear, and it is coming through loud and clear to the American people. All right, Bale. Thank you, sir. Shield side. Appreciate the call. I will. I watched all of Trump's rally last night, and it, I watched it live as it happened. I was over at uh, Fox News for it, and it was entertaining. And I will say this: you can say whatever you want about Trump, but you cannot say he is low energy. That guy, I mean, he just care. He's a one-man show for 90 minutes. It's amazing. And it's pretty interesting the whole time. He's back with you now. Because when it comes to the fight for truth, the buck never stops. What happened in Charlottesville strikes at the core of America. And tonight, this entire arena stands united in forceful condemnation of the thugs who perpetrate hatred and violence. So he talked a bit about the response to Charlottesville last night, and uh, he went on at some length. Media hated that. He was really, really relitigating that whole dispute, that whole debate over what he said and, and how he came out of uh, that whole situation. So, you know, we will... Uh, Oh, I want to hear what you think about this. Jay in West Virginia, WWVA. What's up, Jay? Hey, how you doing, Buck? I'm good. Thank you for the call. I, I love your radio show. Thank um, you, sir. I wanted to just say everybody jumped on Trump, and they said that he made a moral equivalency between these two groups. And that that is a completely false narrative in every sense of the word. What, the only moral equivalency here that exists is the one based around the First Amendment, everybody having a free right to speak. Antifa went there to make trouble with the Nazis, and, and like Nazis or not, <laughs> which I don't think anybody really does, but Nazis are not. In this country, they have the right to free speech. And Antifa is, is a guilty... You hear them? We got Antifa for you right there in the background. There, there you go. Yeah, they, they sound really reasonable, don't they? Yeah, they're as guilty as the Nazis are of trying to curtail free speech. You know, you they're they're not as bad. Okay, I won't necessarily say that. You know, they're not a hate group and they're not evil. Maybe they're maybe. Yeah, I mean, they're not rounding bad. people up and sending them to death camps. Yeah, so we do know, need we not, do need to keep a sense of proportion in these discussions. Right. You know, they're not goose stepping anywhere, but at this and they're not. You know, but they are kind of wearing jack boots. You know, they're, they're kind of wearing face masks and gloves, <laughs> you know. 
So there's some similarities there, and there's some similarities in their actions. And I, and I think Trump stated that badly, but I think that's what he was saying, and no one wants to dissect what he said. They just want to jump on it. Yeah, well, they, they certainly viewed it as, a, as an enormous—no matter what they thought, I mean, the, the anti-Trump— uh, media and, and Democrat Party and everybody else thought it was an enorm- a huge opportunity to uh, to take uh, take the Trump administration down a, down a few notches, and that's what they that's what they went with. Jay, thank you for calling in. I appreciate it. Um, uh, there was no uh, Sheriff Joe Arpaio pardon. That was a big point of uh, well, that was a, a possibility going into all this. Here's what Trump said: Not was Sheriff Joe convicted for doing his job that's what he should have had a jury but you know what i'll make a prediction i think he's going to be just fine okay but but i won't do it tonight because i don't want to cause any controversy is that okay all right but sheriff joe can feel good he he knows how to work a crowd. Uh, no question about that. He's a he's an excellent. He's a great entertainer. I mean, he's a truly talented TV uh, personality. And those who have never tried TV, I mean, I can tell you, TV is actually it's hard to be good at TV. It's hard to to carry and and hold the attention of an audience uh, when you're speaking when it's just you. I'm not talking. You know, it's a different acting is a different skill set, and being a news reader is a different skill set. Um, but to be up there and just talking about stuff, and he's 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 pretty amazing in that context. He really is. Um, so uh, tomorrow I'll have to get into the Barcelona cell. I'll have a buck brief for you on that, a, a bit of a deep dive, because there's some very interesting information that's come to light about the mastermind of that whole attack. So I'm going to hold that for tomorrow. We are going to have uh, Sean Davis joining us here in just a few moments, and also an expert on what's going on with these Navy accidents and Emily Zanotti. And then I'll talk to you about the Department of Environmental Protection here in New York City. Stay with me. All that and more coming up in... Uh, well, actually, no. Hold on. I thought I had to go. I've got like... A few seconds. So I'm going to talk to you about the Department of Environmental Protection. I told you that uh, I had a little problem with the noise in my apartment, so I've been trying to go through the city government, and I'm. It's. I think it's fascinating. I mean, it really is like a lesson. And so, can the city? This happened to me years ago when there was a pothole in front of my apartment. Uh, that was. It was a. It looked like an artillery shell had landed there, and cars were getting their tires torn off. And I didn't even actually at the time I did have a car, uh, but I just felt bad. I was like, people are losing, you know, their rims on their vehicle because of this thing. I mean, it took weeks and weeks of calls, and then months and months of waiting to get a pothole fixed. So you can imagine getting a a noise complaint fixed. I'll tell you about it. All right, team, a lot going on in the news last 24 hours, last few hours, in fact, to uh, help us wade through the swamp. Sean Davis is with us now, co-founder of The Federalist. Read his latest at thefederalist.com, one of my favorite conservative sites on the interwebs. Thank you, Sean. Thank you for having me. Um, All right, so, I mean, this is, people have heard by now, they've heard it from me, they've heard it from others, that uh, a certain news announcer at ESPN 
was pulled because his name is Robert Lee. He happens to be an Asian-American news announcer, but nonetheless, ESPN was concerned about this. Can you? I didn't get into the denials much of this. They, they're like trying to dig this hole deeper, aren't they? They are. It was amazing. So Clay Travis from uh, OutKick and Fox Sports first reported this last night, uh, and he's kind of been a pretty big critic of ESPN, and it was so ridiculous that people kind of thought it was fake. Like, there's there's no way ESPN did this. There's I 100% no thought it was fake. I, I went on record on Twitter being like, I refuse to believe this. I don't care what anybody <laughs> says, even though they're proving to me right now that it's true. Yeah, so, like, people were, were taking it with a grain of salt, and, and then ESPN confirmed it in a statement. Um, so they did that late last night. Oh, yeah, yeah, we, um, we, we were uh, concerned that there might be some sensitivities, so, um, you know, we moved him. And then they issued, I guess, a bigger statement saying, uh, well, you know, we, we were afraid of memes. Um, and then, you know, we asked him to do this, uh, him being the broadcaster, Robert Lee, and then eventually he agreed to it. Like, it, it was like the poor guy was being taken hostage by his own network. Clearly he didn't want to get paid, uh, pulled from that game. And yet they, just, they forced this guy out because they were uh, afraid of a, a couple morons on Twitter making a meme out of the guy's name. It, it's just insanity. Well, I think also ESPN has very little credibility in, this, in, the, in, the, in the area of judgment in general, uh, given what's been seen at that network in recent years. And, and there have even been studies uh, that have, have shown that people are tuning out from ESPN specifically because it thinks that it also needs to get in on the left-wing progressive politics game. And it's like, we actually just want sports. We really do just want the diversion. I don't really need to hear some football player or some baseball player giving us a lecture on the Second Amendment. Yeah, it's, um, it's politics for dumb people. I mean, these people, they're not plugged into the news. They don't really follow it. They just have opinions and think, oh, well, I'm on TV. Um, I guess we should just talk about politics instead of sports, even though, uh, my network's tagline is the worldwide leader in sports. Uh, apparently, management there has decided um, they're just going to go full MSNBC, and then maybe every now and again you'll get a game or some highlights. It's just it, it's so fascinating to see them slaughter their cash cow over stupid left-wing ideological politics. Talking to Sean Davis, he's co-founder of The Federalist, more on thefederalist.com. Uh, I've, I've been talking also, Sean, on the show about the the reaction to Trump's speech last night. I was actually at Fox. I, I was one of these times where I got to hang out in the green room, watch the whole thing, and then just go home. Didn't get to go on air because a couple of protests uh, turned into a little bit of anarchy with the uh, smoke grenades coming out and, you know, police getting uh, the pepper spray and everything. Anyway, but I was sitting there watching the whole thing, and I, I was also watching on Twitter and on some of the monitors as people were completely freaking out. And I just wonder, at what point... Is it no longer going to shock those at uh, CNN and MS and these other places when Trump gets on TV and is Trump? I mean, is, is every time is it really the fall of the republic? Is that is that what they're going to go with? Because it seems like the answer is yes. Every time there has to be weeping and rending of garments. I was fascinated watching the uh, the journalist class freak out over it last night. Because I, I was busy cracking up at all the people making fun of ESPN. Like, there were some really, really good jokes out there. And, like, most normal people, well, most normal people aren't on Twitter. Most normal people who were 
were kind of having fun with the ESPN thing. And then you had this whole like parallel conversation where everyone's freaking out about Donald Trump doing a campaign rally at like 10 o'clock Eastern. Now, granted, he was in Arizona, but yet everything's a freak out. Everything is the worst thing ever. Uh, every word out of his mouth is proof that, that he's the Antichrist. I mean, he's Donald Trump. The guy has no filter. He has no internal monologue. Uh, we've been watching this for two years. He is who he is. I, I don't understand the constant hysteria and hyperventilating over every little thing he says. Now he's you, president. He, he's going to be president for a while. Deal with it. Yeah, you, you are somebody who knows the uh, inner workings and the behind the scenes on the Hill. What was your title on Capitol Hill, Sean? My my actual title was chief investigator. I prefer uh, to tell people I was a chief instigator for a U.S. senator. There we go. So you work for you work for U.S. senator. The uh, Congress is going to come back into session pretty soon. Here, Trump last night said there's going to be a showdown over funding in the budget battle uh, over the wall. Uh, do you see that happening? And, and what do you see happening with this Republican-led Congress coming back that right now is just loserville? I see a whole bunch of nothing and or, or a whole bunch of crap. I mean, the Obamacare repeal debate kind of showed that the Republican congressional emperor had no clothes. These people promised for years, year after year after year, just give us enough votes, just give us the White House, just give us the Senate, and we'll repeal Obamacare. And then when they got in there and had the chance to do that, they kind of went, eh, nah, we were just kidding. So, I mean, they couldn't even do the one thing that they promised they were going to do for seven, eight years. I don't expect them to do much of anything else. And and unfortunately for them, with the midterms coming up, uh, I don't think people are going to go and hate on Republicans because of Donald Trump. They're going to go and hate on Republicans for being stupid and not doing things that they were supposed to do. So they better get their act together and stop this uh, Trump blaming game that McConnell and Flake and others are clearly doing to try and distract from their own failures and start doing their own jobs. So I I think the Republican Congress is in trouble if they don't figure that out real quick. The story I'm hearing is, well, they can't really get into this fight. We have to uh, extend, what, the statutory limit on borrowing because then it needs to be all about tax reform. And I feel like what this is going to turn into is we'll fight. the. It, it, it'll just be the same thing. It'll be deja vu all over again, like Yogi Berra says. It, it will be told the next time around is when the real fight will happen. I mean, Republicans, they can, they can actually just hit, the, you know, hit the, the playback button, I think. We don't have to go through all the, you know, we don't have to see... Uh, these different senators go on TV and, and give us the version of events because we've heard it before. The next fight will be the big fight. The next time we'll be willing to shut down the government to defund Planned Parenthood or to get a wall built or or to repeal Obamacare. But this time, let's just go along to get along because we're going to do a little corporate tax or a little reform. And I think they're just going to do corporate tax reform and it's not going to be that big and everyone else is just going to keep paying too much in taxes. That's what I think is going to happen. Oh, I think you're exactly right. Um, if there's anything, uh, so I've watched Mitch McConnell for years, um, for almost two decades, and he always plays the same game. Um, when conservatives want something and he doesn't want to give it to them, he always has the same talking point. Well, we need to just give ground here so that we have enough strength and, and uh, readiness for the next battle. The only fight he's ever willing to fight is the one he hasn't surrendered yet. So you nailed it. I mean, they'll come and say, oh, man, we would really love to cut spending. Yeah, this debt's a problem. But we've got to get this debt limit thing out of the way, and then the real fight will be on 
this next approach bill or this next omnibus or this next supplemental. And you get to that and they say, eh, we can't really do much on this because we don't want the other side to shut the government down. So trust us, we'll fight next time. And they never do. The Obamacare repeal proved that it's all lies, that all they really care about is staying in power while doing as little as they can. I always wonder what they think the, the great calamity is that would befall America if they just once followed through on one of these promises. I, th- th- it's really that inconceivable that maybe they maybe they won't get reelected. Oh, no. <laughs> it's really they, they won't even take that risk. I mean, you, you've got Congress talking about sending our men and women in uniform into harm's way and all kinds of places all over the world. You know, they, they want to take back the ability to declare war from the president. They want to do they want to have this decision making. But they can't take a tough a tough vote on Obamacare. Whoa, let's not get crazy. Well, no, they don't want responsibility or, or authority or accountability on any of the other stuff either. So they love to say, oh, gosh, well, the president needs to consult with us. and How, how dare he do this without us? And that's the extent of it, because they know that if for some reason you couldn't send troops into harm's way without a congressional declaration of war, they would say, uh, uh-oh, if we do this, then people are going to blame us. Yeah, and you're right. It's, it's all about, it's all a big game. It's just evading accountability yeah. and telling the stories to their constituents they want to tell. That's exactly right. Now, I, I happen to be an Article One imperialist. I wish they would actually take back the power and the accountability and the authority, but they're not going to do it because they're all cowards. So they're going to keep playing the same game they've always played and blame everyone else for their own problems that they created because of their own incompetence and cowardice. Now, but we've painted a pretty—we're speaking to Sean Davis, everybody, of The Federalist, federalist.com, uh, for his latest and all the fine writers at The Federalist. Uh, Sean, just before we let you go, we've painted a somewhat dour— picture of Republican prospects going forward, but I do think it's also worth taking note of the Democrats have just lost their minds. (laughs) I think that's the way I have to put it. They are just crazy. Oh, yeah, I think that's a great way to put it, is that Republicans are cowards and Democrats are insane. Uh, They've decided that they're just going to fight the monument battle and and play the uh, read from the social justice warrior script, and then Republicans have decided that they're just going to cower uh, out of fear of their own shadows. I mean, didn't uh, they, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think most of the recent uh, research on why Trump won shows that in the places that it mattered, right, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, middle and working class Americans were sick of the culture war, hyper-progressive nonsense, and so now we've got the Democratic Party standing behind, yeah, burn that statue of Christopher Columbus. It's like they learned nothing. No, this is how I feel like I say this once a day. This is why you got Trump. This crap right here that you're doing, you're setting your hair on fire every day and telling uh, boys that they can just be girls through magical feelings and going after anyone who wants to not tear down uh, historical markers. That's how you got Trump. Everything you're doing right now is how you got Trump. Not only that, it's how you're going to get more Trump. Yeah. So if you don't want more Trump, knock it off. Yeah, despite everything, despite the Republican dysfunction, which is mountainous at this point, I'm still not sure they're going to, they may hold on to the House and the Senate without doing anything, which I think speaks volumes. Sean Davis, thank you, my friend. Great to have you on. Go check out thefederalist.com, everybody. And Sean, thank you so much. Always fun. Thanks for having me, Buck. He's back with you now, because when it comes to the fight for truth, the buck never stops. 
Buck Sexton back with you all now, team. There are stories that don't get as much attention from the major news networks, but are worth a bit of analysis and conversation because they either illuminate important parts of what's going on in our public or they're just dang funny. So let's talk about some of them, shall we? We've got Emily Zanotti on the line here. She is a senior editor at The Daily Wire. Congrats on the new gig, by the way, Emily. Thank you very much. I'm excited. We've got Zanati a la carte now, courtesy of The Daily Wire. So we can run down all kinds of stories here. So let's start with oh, it. Yeah. German police seized thousands of ecstasy tablets shaped like Donald Trump's head, saw it's like a wunderbar side pot that gets you very tingly. <laughs> I actually have no idea what these do, and I don't think I want to find out. I'm a little afraid they're probably going to turn a bunch of kids orange, but... Yeah, so the German police pulled over a car coming over the border and found a bag of thousands of Trump head ecstasy tablets worth about $15,000. Wow, Trump's head, huh? I I guess, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're trying to capture the zeitgeist for your ecstasy, you could go as the Trump head. You could really just seize the moment. Guten Tag. Uh, Okay, so college professors, next one. Because remember, everybody, we got Zanotti a la carte here. Uh, college professors are trying to establish a national campus Antifa network. What is wrong with these guys? Apparently, they're a little worried because now Republicans, college Republicans, and Young America's Foundation have become more aggressive about booking conservative speakers, including my boss, Ben Shapiro. They're constantly being subjected to the ideas of free speech. And so these two professors... One from Stanford and I believe one from Columbia have joined forces and they want to create a campus Antifa network to make sure that conservative ideas are not heard on campus so that they can organize protests, get kids out there to oppose these terrible speakers. So it's going to be interesting. Right now they only have about 200 members, so they're not super organized just yet. I I don't know how anyone doesn't see that that Antifa is... A disgrace. <laughs> I, I, I kind of surround, I'm looking at this, I'm like, so the, the crazy people at the protest last night in Phoenix, for example, yeah. who caused the police to throw, and I was watching live, it happened, and I, I was hearing some mm-hmm. crazy stuff on TV, the you know, police are throwing out tear gas, and the their uh, individuals are throwing bottles or whatever. In Boston, it was bottles of urine at the police. Right. Uh, yeah. College professors are like, yeah, those are the kinds of yeah, young men and women we want to support. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, these children are our future, so we should we should foster these children who keep dressing up in black and throwing rocks at police. This is, this is such a good idea. Well, I do believe the children are our future, but <laughs> that's just not, not Antifa. Um, not Antifa. Not, no, that's right. Not, and they're not kids, by the way. They're like in their 20s and 30s. These are the same guys who I think when I was in college were busting up Starbucks because they thought it was just the World Trade Organization was going to take over, and... I think they just haven't gotten employment since then, so they just needed something else to do. Yeah, they're not new. I keep trying to tell people. Th- these guys were just called, they were just referred to as Black Block during the Occup- yeah. Occupy Wall Street days. But all the same stuff and the tactics and the slogans and the fascist killer cops and hate the state. And I have, I actually have in my possession photos of all that stuff from 2011. And, and it was just under the OWL 
OWS or uh, Occupy Wall. Yeah, OWS. Yeah, Occupy uh, Wall Street. Yeah. Yeah, it was under the OWS banner. Now it's under Antifa, but it's the same thing. This is what people don't understand. It's yeah. just this is just the the radical uh, the radical vanguard. They call it the fringe, but it actually gets more support, as we said, from college campuses. But this is the kind of radical vanguard of the left. This is this is a long-standing vanguard. These guys have been around for ages, and it goes even further back than Occupy Wall Street. They've been around. They were the ones who attacked the World Trade Organization in Seattle. They're the ones that attacked the G8 summit. These guys are not. These guys are not new by any stretch, and it's amazing to me that all of a sudden they're legitimate just because they happen to be opposed to Donald Trump. By the way, do you have any updates on how many arrests there were last night or anything? I was too busy. Uh, I was up until almost midnight watching this thing. I was over at Fox, and then I just went home because I'm like, whatever. bunch of bunch of hippies are getting are getting gassed. I'm going to go home now. It's not my problem. But uh, do you know what happened? I don't know exactly how many arrests. They're telling us dozens, so I'm sure there's going to be a lot when we get the final number. Um, we've actually been passing around this amazing video of a bunch of hippies getting hit with beanbags, which uh, is, is pretty entertaining if you have a couple of minutes. Oh, wait, so they, they took out the beanbag rounds? I didn't see that. that yeah. ha- they were shooting people with beanbag rounds? Yeah, because Antifa actually brought out gas masks, so the tear gas wasn't working. They came prepared this time because last week in Boston, they got hit with tear gas and had to get milk in their eyes and things like that. This time around, they came prepared with gas masks, so they had to bring out the beanbag rounds. Wow. You know, it's we had a, a correspondent from uh, one of our, uh, our our friends on on radio joining us from down at Phoenix yesterday. And when we closed the interview, I was like, look, my friend, when the guys all dressed in black pull out the gas masks, it's time for you to go. And I can tell he's kind of like, OK, buddy. <laughs> he was like, you know, he was like, we're done with the interview. We're out of here. I was giving him good advice because that is exactly what happened last night. The gas yeah. masks came out and stuff got crazy. Yep. Yep. Things things got real weird real fast. Things things got real. Um, we're speaking to Emily Zanotti over at the Daily Wire, where she's the senior editor. We also have Ben Shapiro on from the Daily Wire. By the way, Emily, any other fantastic Daily Wire folks, you could always you can always send our way. We very much appreciate having them joining the fun. I've we've been touching on it so much today uh, that I I just I but I feel like I have to you know if we're all taking swings at this uh, this particular issue, you got to we got to give you a, an at bat here. Robert Lee gets booted from. <laughs> From announce, are you, people know the details. They know the basics of it now. But just what's your what's the Zanotti take on this? <laughs> My favorite is actually the Reuters headlines that appeared this afternoon. Reuters decided to report on this Robert E. Lee situation, Robert Lee, Robert E. Lee situation, and called Robert Lee a doppelganger of Confederate General Robert E. Lee. It turns out they don't look anything alike. In fact, the ESPN Robert Lee is actually Asian and not dead. Get the heck out of here. I didn't see this. <laughs> they actually claim that there's a resemblance. Ty is yes. giving me the nod in the in the room next door here. He's telling me yes. In the in the Freedom Hut Operations Center, he's telling me that yes, in fact, that that is the crazy. I'm actually almost speechless because they've done all this, like trying to explain it, making it worse, and right. and, and, now, and now I'm told the craziest thing of all is that Reuters is like, yeah, they look alike. Yeah, no, this is exactly how it played out, and Reuters was like, oh, they just they look alike. Like, we can totally understand why ESPN would want to take this guy off the UVA game because this Asian man in his mid 30s clearly looks exactly like a general who's been dead for a hundred years. Wow. Uh, can we also just make fun of Claire McCaskill for a moment here? She's the uh, Missouri <laughs> senator 
who says that normal people can afford private planes. I am so not normal. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I should have a Piper jet parked in my backyard here. Um, she said she's trying desperately to get in touch with normal Missourians because she's up for re-election and her state went for Donald Trump. And things have not been great for her the last couple of times around. So she's trying really hard to connect with the normal people, but she just can't because previously she owned a $2 million private jet. Before that, she had another $2 million private jet, and she's actually the 12th richest person in Congress. So this is really going to take a lot of effort. Can I, can I engage in a microaggression here? Uh, how did How did she make her money, or maybe did somebody else make the money and now she spends it? Her husband made the money and now she spends it. I didn't know that, but yet it was just an interesting <laughs> guess considering that Claire McCaskill doesn't strike me as the, like, I'm going to be the CEO of Hewlett-Packard anytime right. soon. Yeah, her husband happens to be a rather wealthy real estate investor who made a lot of really great decisions back in the early 2000s, and she's reaping most of the rewards. Ah, it's like I knew and I didn't know. I know, microaggression, I know. But she comes from the Nancy, just so everybody knows, she comes from the Nancy Pelosi school of progressivism, which is uh, let them eat cake after I make sure that my husband makes sure that I have the fanciest cake imaginable. Right, it's very patriarchy, like, promoting but, you know, they never really call it that. They're very feminist, obviously. Obviously, it's the most feminist patriarchy out there. Yeah, well, I guess if you use enough hashtags and talk enough about how you like uh, the HuffPost and HBO series Girls and all that, then you, you can just be somebody who spends money made by other people and talk about how, you know, a hard day's work is what you really know about. But I, but I digress. You know, hey, hey, you know, what, what, what can you do? Real quick before I let you go, Emily, uh, thoughts on how awesome what a page-turner Hillary Clinton's What Happened memoir will be? Oh, it's going to be great. She says that Donald Trump is a super creep and she regrets not calling him out. So I'm sure... I'm sure feminism is going to come in there as well. We know that that's only maybe two pages out of several thousand and or several hundred. And uh, it should be interesting. We have about a month till it comes out. Oh, man, it's going to be awesome. Going to be soon, hey, soon to be a, a coffee table coaster in many annoying progressive homes across the country, right next to a DVD copy of Al Gore's An Inconvenient Truth Part right. Uh Emily Zanotti, great to have you. Thank you so much for joining. Check out thedailywire.com, everybody, where Emily is doing her thing. Emily, come back soon. Absolutely. Welcome back, team. There have been a series of major incidents at sea for the United States Navy. Four big collisions. Some even involve the deaths of sailors, and others are still lost. Uh, there's a currently a search and rescue mission ongoing after one of these accidents. We've had some senior uh, naval officers relieved of duty, and people are wondering, what is going on? Well, I've got somebody who can answer that question, Captain Harry Bolton. He's Director of Marine Programs at California State University Maritime Academy. He's an unlimited master mariner with over 42 years of maritime experience uh, and 31 years in command, and we very much appreciate him joining. Captain Bolton, thank you, sir. Well, thank you, Buck. Uh, first of all, all of us at uh, Cal State University Maritime Academy send our sincere condolences to the families of the sailors lost on the Fitzgerald and McCain. Just a, it's a terrible thing. Absolutely, and uh, and our hearts our hearts are with them, and thoughts and prayers. Uh, now let's though look at how did this happen? I mean, and and why is it happening with this frequency? Well, 
how it happened, you, you know, that they're ongoing. Uh, there's a, there's all kinds of uh, in the the. Uh, Take the most recent one. I mean, t- tell me what, what do you think happened there? You've got a what is it? A, an, an oil car, or rather, a cargo ship uh, running into a U.S. Navy uh, Arleigh Burke class destroyer, right? Well, you do. It, it, there's, it's it's uh, it's amazing. Uh, we can talk about the Fitzgerald and McCain, but the latest one, you know, it was not in the in uh, in the Straits of Malacca. It was coming into the Singapore Straits in the South China Sea, where there's actually some more sea room. You know, there, there's all kinds of things you can do to prevent collisions. Uh, even even stop the ship and let let the other ship go by. You know, I've, I've had some close calls in, in the years I've been out there, um, and and some of it's because the other ship's not paying attention. Well, then it's the onus is on you to to do whatever it takes to to avoid that collision. And uh, it's it's incredible to me. You know, both the ships are at fault. There's no doubt about that. So one might be more at fault than the other, but no ships are supposed to collide. And that, that's that's an international standard. So, uh, well, Can you tell me, because look, I am not familiar with naval, well, never mind naval surface warfare, just naval navigation, really. What I, I'm assuming, first of all, you've got clear lines of sight. I don't know if this happened at night or not, but even absent clear lines of sight in daylight, they have radar systems, all kinds of comms. What are the safeguards and procedures in place to prevent a U.S. naval destroyer from getting rammed by a cargo ship? They, every, they, they all have what they call ARPAs, Advanced Radar Plotting Aids. They have AIS. The, uh, which is automated information systems. They have the ECTUS, electronic chart display and information systems. The, the, you, they have all of these backup systems. They have all of these things. But the one thing you cannot count on is human error, and that's what I'm what I'm seeing. If you want to ask me what's happening here, it's human error. It's the way that they interpret these uh, systems. It's the way they look at these systems, and they're not interpreting them correctly. The other thing that's happening is that. You know, there, there's, uh, you know, Navy ships versus merchant ships. Merchant ships will have, you know, two, maybe three guys on the bridge. Navy ships will have all these, you know, they have a couple of officers. They'll have uh, communications guys. They'll have radar guys and navigation. They'll have lookouts and helmsmen. And it's a thing called bridge resource management. It's, it's a, something that the merchant marine trains all the time. And it's, it's, uh, we call it bridge team management where everybody's talking to each other. The lookout says, mate or officer, do you see that, that ship out there? And it's showing us a green light. And I, uh, yes, I do. Okay. The navigator says, oh, hey, look, we're on a course, the possible collision course. Our closest point of approach is, is one mile. We need to come out two miles. Okay, navigator, give me the course that I'm going to need to have a two-mile CPA, closest point of approach. These are the things that should be happening and are not happening. It's it's mind-blowing that... that uh, you know, th- this is this is taking place, and at such a frequency. Yeah, now, wait, wait, hold on a second. We're we're speaking to Captain Harry Bolton, who's director of Mar- uh, of Marine Programs at California State University Maritime Academy. Uh, Captain Bolton, it's happened four times, which is why I think there's get there's so much attention, and there's been loss of life. What might have changed? I mean, they're they're now saying they're looking at the entire operations of U.S. fleets, and they're going to be uh, reviewing what they're doing. And uh, w- w- back to sort of the initial question, which is, what the heck is going on? Well, this is, I was just going to go there next, Buck, and here's, here's what I think is happening. In fact, I know it's happening. The Navy, it's, the way that they, they assign their jobs in the last few years has, has changed. 
back in the day, you know, when I first started, ship drivers were ship drivers. You came, you don't go to the Naval Academy and come out as a ship driver. You learn that after you get out. You know, you, the degrees that they give you at at, uh, at the Naval Academy are political science or Arabic or computer science, you know, that type of thing. You know, you, you come out and you want to be a ship driver. Well, you go out there as an ensign. You learn the uh, the ropes. You, you move up to lieutenant. You work your way all the way up to captain or admiral. And, and that's kind of what used to happen. And they were the line officers. And nowadays, they're being transferred all over the place. You know, an ensign will go out there for a couple of years and become a lieutenant. He goes from a navigator to a weapons officer. You know, then he goes, then he goes to a communication or he gets transferred to a shoreside command. You know, and the Navy has been shrinking. We know that. So you don't have as many of these qualified people as you did before. And it's starting to show. Do you think human error, human error, including on the U.S. naval side here, uh, played very likely played a role, perhaps a very large role? Um, and do you give any credibility at all to some of the reporting out there? I know the Navy's already shot it down, but people are saying that there might have been some kind of sabotage or even in, an intentional hit here, meaning the other ship might have rammed our ship on purpose. Could you see that at all, or is this just people messing up? I don't believe that for one second. This is people messing up. That's... Uh... How much time, let me ask you this, how much time would you have, I mean, if you're, so you're on this Arleigh Burke uh, destroyer, and you've got a cargo ship, uh, you know, the, the margin of error, I would assume that they're not going to try to pass, I mean, it's, it's a big ocean, right? There's no reason to pass each other by a, a couple of hundred feet, so how does the margin of error here work? I mean, they must have known the ship was close by, uh, it just seems, it just seems unfathomable, right? I mean, don't, don't you have plenty of time to, to get a wide berth here from the other ship? especially when an early bird class can go up to about 30 knots and, and speed themselves right out of harm's way. Absolutely. It's, it is unfathomable. And, and that's why these investigations, you know, I, I've looked at this Fitzgerald and I can't find a whole lot. And, and I know how to surf the net for maritime. And I'm not finding what, I'm wanted, what, I, what I want to see. You know, we all know that the three senior officers got relieved of their command, um, you know, for, for, for lack of situational awareness. Well, that's human error, okay? That's, you know, obviously they, they, they screwed up, you know, but, but what to do to fix it? I mean, I, I think, I personally think they should take the, the Maritime Academy Merchant Marine approach, and that is, you know, build ship drivers and keep them out there. And, and you know, we start from day one to train you how to operate ships and, and safely. And that, that's all the advanced uh, navigation systems, that engineering for that matter, and and the rule and follow the rules of the road. It's a pretty amazing yeah. reminder. It sounds to me, at least, Captain Bolton, that with the most advanced equipment in the world, if you got people who don't have the proper training or don't have the proper situational awareness, doesn't matter. You got it. All right, Captain Harry Bolton, Director of Marine Programs at California State University Maritime Academy. Really appreciate you joining, sir. Thank you for lending us your expertise. No problem, Buck. You take care. He's back with you now, because when it comes to the fight for truth, the buck never stops. Oh, we're seeing more now in the media about Hillary Clinton's upcoming umpteenth memoir. I think she's got 16 books under her name or something. I mean, ghostwritten, of course, but for some reason we've decided in society that you can say you wrote a book and didn't write it and that's okay and give no credit to anyone else. I, I'm sorry, but I, I don't. 
I don't agree with this. If you're telling your story and you're using a writer to help tell your story and that person is credited on the jacket cover as with or, you know, and uh, fine. You know, so Bill O'Reilly, Martin Dugard, fine. Just somebody who didn't write something and somebody else who did not get in credit. I, I disagree with this. Anyway, Hillary's book is What Happened? Uh, that's the title of it. And it's coming out in, uh, I don't know, in a matter of weeks. But they're, uh, they're releasing excerpts of this, as you would expect, to try and drum up interest in it. Because it's not like we, uh, what, we don't know enough about what happened for us to come to our own conclusions. I mean, I'm pretty sure that given the amount of media coverage and given the attention on the most recent presidential campaign, it is completely unnecessary for someone to sit down and write this book. But what this really is, is a Clintonian effort to, one, stay relevant. Two, it's a money grab. I'm sure uh, they paid her millions of dollars for a book that they will take a loss on. The, 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 whatever the, whoever the publisher is, this, and it's one of the big ones, it always is, uh, there's no way they're going to make their money back on this. Because if you're paying for a Hillary Clinton book, there's also the goodwill and good standing with the Democratic Party you get for being that publisher. So we are now treated, uh, if you want to call it that, to a, a sneak preview of what we can expect to read in What Happened, which we all, I think, already know. I mean, we're, we're quite clear that in this in this book, she's going to take some degree of responsibility. I mean, it's it's a mea culpa only insofar as that engenders sympathy. And I feel like saying engenders there, it's kind of a microaggression, isn't it? Just put engender it. Why has it got to be about gender, Buck? Why are you engendering? Um, but it's going to be an effort for Hillary to uh, do what she can to make the Clinton political brand still viable because I don't care what anybody says. They want to groom Chelsea Clinton for big things. They they want her to run for New York Senate. Look at Caroline Kennedy. This woman hasn't done anything. And they're like, yeah, let's just make her an ambassador and she should run for Senate. And it's like, why? Because her grandfather was a politician. I mean, come on. You've got to be kidding me. But, you know, sure enough. Uh, you know, we see this now, or I guess her, whatever her, her, I forget. I don't even know what the lineage is of the Kennedy family. It's irrelevant. She's a Kennedy. So we have to listen to her. Who cares? Doesn't know anything. Doesn't know anything. Uh, but that doesn't really matter now. We have far too much. And I, I wish there was a more bipartisan revulsion. And we have far, far too much nepotism in this country when it comes to politics. We are way too impressed with a last name that sounds like a last name that we already know in politics. You know, that movie uh, that Eddie Murphy made years ago, a distinguished gentleman where he just runs as a guy named Jeff Johnson and wins because the previous congressional uh, incumbent was named Jeff Johnson. It's, I mean, it's not a good movie, but it's a really brilliant concept insofar as it's true. I mean, I think I think you would get away with that. You know, I think that that the name has a tremendous amount of, of value in politics, too much value in our politics. But all right, so back to what happened and the Hillary book. She says, quote, I don't have all the answers. <laughs> and this isn't a comprehensive account of the 2016 race. It but then she goes on to talk about how she felt having Donald Trump standing behind her during a debate at Washington University in St. Louis. 
And so, Hillary, of course, this is an audio book, so I can play an excerpt for you from the audio book. This is Hillary Clinton now writing. It was incredibly uncomfortable. He was literally breathing down my neck. My skin crawled. It was one of those moments where you wish you could hit pause and ask everyone watching, what would you do? So, I mean, the audiobook is going to sell millions of copies because Hillary's voice is just a, a wonderful thing. It is melodic. It is charming, just like everything about Hillary. Charming, warm, graceful. Uh, so there you... Oh, she, she said later on, and I, I'm going to blow up my voice. If, I mean, rather, Hillary's voice. Whatever, I can't share too much of the audiobook with you. I don't have the rights to share more of the audiobook. But she said, back up, you creep. Get away! Oh, she said that she wished she had said, "Back up, you creep! Get away from me!" Uh, but she's so used to keeping her cool that you know she kept her cool in this situation. Uh, they're they're never going to give up on this uh, on this Clinton uh, rewriting of history until eventually you'll see. This is this is my prediction: Hillary will not be a two time presidential loser, a presidential uh, aspirant loser who. You know, ran weak campaigns, was incredibly entitled all along the way and was just riding on her husband's coattails. Let's call it what it is. That's what she's been doing all along. Instead, the story will turn into the rewriting of history that will occur with Hillary Clinton. First, it's what happened is this what happened is this book that they're going to put out there. So it makes it seem like she's taking responsibility. She will be cleansed of her sins in the Democratic Party for losing. And then it will be oh, well, she was breaking down barriers and did great things for women by running. And, you know, forget about like Condoleezza Rice and people like that that have. No, they don't break. Only Democrats can break down barriers for women. Uh, But they'll be saying that she was, in effect, a political martyr for the cause, that the pains that she suffered in her campaigns have paved the way for future generations of women. They will turn. Mark my words, despite her losses, despite the email scandal, despite the lies and all the degradations of the presidency under her husband, the left is hellbent on turning Hillary Clinton into a feminist icon. And this book is part of that process. What happened? Well, now we know. We'll be back with more. Stay with me. Welcome back, Team Buck. Been a fun show today. Thank you so much for hanging out. If you uh, didn't get a chance to see it, I posted, I found a a fantastic model for the latest Team Buck gear. Well, I found a few. We had uh, Ty and Amy posted up on Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton yesterday, rocking the latest in Team Buck gear. And if you're a hat person, my little sis, Daisy, gets in on the rolling... Situation. We we put her up a photo of her that she allowed me to share publicly uh, of her wearing a Team Buck hat. That's up on uh, Instagram and Facebook as well. The hats look really cool, I have to say. BucksAxon.com slash store. I'm hoping some of you will start posting on Facebook and uh, tweeting at me your own Team Buck gear being modeled by you or family members. So uh, please do when you get a chance. I really do uh, enjoy that. Uh, I also wanted to follow up on the environmental or department of environmental protection not to be confused with the ghostbusters uh, environmental protection agency walter peck character i'm walter peck 
People think they're seeing ghosts. I don't know if you remember that. I don't think anybody from the Environmental Protection Agency would have a loc- what we call a Locust Valley lockjaw, which is, oh, hello, let's go have some martinis out at the country club. Uh, but that's kind of the Walter Peck guy in Ghostbusters, who's the one who shuts down their containment system. You know, shut this off, shut this all off, Walter Peck, that guy. If you haven't seen the original Ghostbusters, it's phenomenal. The remake of it was was a cinematic travesty uh, and it has nothing to do with social justice warriors or whether, you know, it's, it's a girl power versus guy power uh, movie. It, it just stunk. It was just a bad remake. The original is amazing. But I had a follow-up visit from the Department of Environmental Protection in New York because there is very loud machinery equipment. It's clearly malfunctioning, as I told you. And you can hear it uh, at different times of day in my apartment, and it sounds like a, a motor is running. So, and I'm, as anyone who spends enough time with me knows, uh, a bit noise sensitive. I'm a little bit, you know, gosh darn it, tell those kids to quiet down. And I'm a little uh, like that. I, I don't like excessive noise. I find people who speak too loudly on the subway to be uh, inconsiderate. And I find people who talk during movies or TV shows, no matter how close to me they are, no matter how much I like them, I don't like that. Uh, so I, I'm very noise sensitive. I, I hear things that other people go, there's nothing. And I go, oh, no, there is, there is. And eventually they go, I guess I kind of hear it. Um, I, I hope I'm not admitting to you now that I hear things that don't exist. But so Department of Environmental Protection comes here and, and they had already been here before. And this is a it's a fun little experiment to see if city government. I'm here in New York. I want to see if the tax dollars because I, I don't just pay New York state taxes. I have to pay New York city taxes, too. And I do not have the spare cash to throw around. So that hurts. So I'm wondering government services. Here we are. I call the number. It's. 311 is the non-emergency government services number here in New York City. So I call it. Department of Environmental Protection comes out and they bring a guy with a, a sound meter reader, whatever you call it. And he's t- and he goes, yeah, you, this is too noisy. We could find them. But they couldn't find the source of the noise because it's coming from a rooftop of a building. And I can't there's I'm in the middle of Manhattan. I can't see all the rooftops. So we just know it's coming from a nearby rooftop. So I said, okay, well, what do we do now? He goes, well, we're, we're at time. By the way, that's a very government thing, isn't it? Imagine if a doctor was in the middle of an examination. He's like, ah, I think that we know what this malady is, but I'm not going to run the test for it now because we're out of time. Uh, you might be a little annoyed, right? So the Department of Environmental Protection had a, a situation uh, with me like that where they, they had done their thing, right? They had showed up and... They were like, sorry, you know, it's uh, it's lunch. It's our lunch break. And I'm like, well, it's 3 p.m. Well, it's our second lunch break, you know, union regulations. So they they showed up again today and they were pretty nice. And I could tell by talking to the guy, I just guessed. And I, I think they always this even for other New Yorkers, this unsettles them. But I can just tell. I said, well, are you from Staten Island, which is one of the boroughs here in New York City? He goes, yeah. How did you know? I'm like, ah, I just know. So we, I went to high school with a lot of Staten Island kids. Um, in fact, the head writer for Saturday Night Live for a while, who also does the Weekend Update, his name is Colin Jost. He was on the debate team with me in high school. We were in the same year. And he did a movie about his teenage years in Staten Island. That's a comedy that I swear I'm not, I'm not being a hater here. It was not a good movie. Uh, anyway. So the guy comes, he's from Staten Island. I say, okay, well, here's the noise. And 
it's not that bad today for whatever reason. They don't have the machine running quite as, as heavily or whatever. And the guy goes, okay, so here's the way this works. You need, even if we find, and I didn't know this part. He goes, even if it was the, even if you had a jet engine next to you here, uh, I mean, I guess if you were in imminent danger, you'd call the police, right? But in terms of the noise, he's like, then no one told me this the last time, by the way, because I'm thinking this is pretty straightforward. They find the source, the noise, they go over and say to the, the offender, hey, you got to turn this noise down. I'm thinking this is, you know, government in action. Maybe some of my conservatism should be tempered here. Maybe maybe government can get things done outside of, you know, uh, police protection and the military, uh, you know, enforcing contracts, basically. Maybe the government can, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. I had a moment of of doubt of not all of my conservative principles, but I thought, you know, I guess government can sometimes. It's It reminds me of when you go to the DMV and it's not a completely brutal and horrific experience. As a conservative, I think you, you stop and you go, okay, well, that wasn't quite. But then, of course, you go another time and you're there for six hours and you're cursing government for the next decade. So, you know, occasionally you get lucky. And as a person who's self-reflective, uh, you are willing to think about what you believe. So I was thinking, OK, well, here we are. Department of Environmental Protection, New York City, a lot of noise. We agree. We've already done the reading. The noise is too high. It's it's annoying me. Uh, and they're saying that they might be able to help me. They might be able to fix it. So I'm thinking to myself, OK, here we are. Looks like I might get some satisfaction of this problem. Looks like that, in fact, might happen. And the guy goes, well, here's the real. And I, you know, I chatted him up a little bit. I told him I was uh, NYPD for a little while as a civilian. I always have to specify that now because those people think that I was on the job as a cop. And then they asked me cop questions and I don't know. And I was a terrorism expert that was working with the NYPD, essentially. Uh, so anyway, I, you know, I talked to the guy about that and DEP, NYPD, you know, acronym people, we all kind of get along. Acronym people are all kind of buddies, you know, for the most part, unless you're in the same space. So like, you know, FBI, NYPD doesn't necessarily get along because there's a little bit of a, we'll call it a sibling rivalry there in the city, but different government agencies, you know, you see somebody from the Department of the Interior and, you know, you're from the, uh, yeah, I don't know, the Department of agriculture you're like hey what's up fellow bureaucrat so we had a little bit of a you know high five what's up fellow bureaucrat discussion and i could tell the guy didn't want to have to tell me this but he goes okay well here, here's the problem even if we find the source of the noise and by the way they did find it i was right it was a malfunctioning uh hvac unit on top of a building that needs maintenance and so it's making this incredibly loud screeching sound as the metal gears are you know whatever the, I, I don't understand mechanics but the metal gears are making noises as the fan is whirring and everything else. And so it's anyway, it's very, very annoying sound a little bit. Like imagine if somebody had like a nails on a chalkboard that were being amplified and 24 seven. Uh, and so he goes, okay, so here's the deal. Even if we find the guy, uh, or rather, even if we find him, literally, if we find him it, the first time, it's just a warning and you have eight weeks to fix it before we can come back and you have to schedule another appointment, which will take a few more weeks. And at that point, we have to see if the noise is still in effect. If the noise is still in effect, we can issue a fine. And if they deal with the noise and have us come back, they can rescind the fine. And they may just decide to wait you out until they're not using the HVAC as much. So basically, after all this multiple and oh, I should note that it was raining and they canceled the appointment because, you know, 
you can't do environmental protection in the rain. Yeah, that really happened, by the way. Uh, multiple appointments. For me, I'm really going through this as a curiosity. I'm like, I'm a taxpayer. I'm in New York City. I got unacceptable noise. We have uh, a whole department that's supposed to deal with issues like this. You think that maybe they'd have something for me. And the guy's like, you know what you really should do? And he's like, this is just some friendly advice. He's like, you should go over there and just be like, hey, man, the noise is really loud. Can you guys can you guys do something about it? Maybe and I'm looking at this guy. I'm like, oh, OK, so I'm going to go over there and be like, hey, I'm annoyed. I'm your neighbor. Uh, can you hire a mechanic to fix a large piece of industrial sized equipment that nobody else really cares about? But me, because the noise comes right into my window uh, and, and see what happens. And the answer is, yeah, yeah, that that's pretty much. So after all this, it's. Why don't you just go and ask nicely and, and hope and pray that they do it? And you know what? I'm going to. I'm going to walk over there and I'll, I'll give you the update on that. But that's what the, this is what government really means. People show up. They're all getting paid. They have equipment. They have the right to levy fines. They have the right to do all these things. I have a problem. I'm a private citizen. And what it really comes down to is if I want it to be resolved, I basically have to resolve it myself. Yay, government. Yay. Good times. Team, uh, please do download the podcast, Buck Sexton with America Now on iTunes. Uh, The more you can share that with other folks, the better. It really helps. It shows growth in the show every month, which is what we have right now, which is great. So please do share it. And uh, also uh, check out Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. You can get your team buck gear at BuckSexton.com slash store. Tomorrow will be Freestyle Friday. I've got some fun stuff planned. So until then, my friends, no matter what comes your way, shields high.